even feel like I need to preach. That was a message in video form. That was a video from our uh, spiritual mentors church, Living Hope Christian Center out in California. And uh, two of our church members had the privilege of being sent out and joining uh, their missions team to a mission trip in Indonesia. Uh, one of them being our sister Susie, who's actually here. So Susie, just wave your hand. Um, She's one of our leaders at the Itaewon campus and did an incredible job. She got sent like on her own to preach at different places. And uh, she did a, just a powerful, God used her powerfully. And another sister, Carrie, who returned home, she also got sent as well. And she uh, shared her testimony a couple of weeks ago. And so if you haven't heard that yet, uh, I want to encourage you guys to check out the podcast because that's pretty awesome as well. And so our God's amazing God, amen? amen. And he's a God of signs and wonders. And our God is a God is, who is still living today. He's not someone that's stuck in a book, but he's a God that's still living, active, and is doing crazy things all over the world, including Indonesia. And so I hope that video really inspired you guys to expand your limitation on who God is, because he's powerful, way more powerful than we can even imagine ourselves, way more powerful than what we've seen so far in our own lives, way more powerful than even what we saw in the video. God is still ever revealing himself to us today. He's a good, good God. Amen. Amen. And so I'm here to continue a series that I started. I know that it's a little bit of an interruption to my husband's series on finances. How many of you guys have been blessed so far by the finance series? Man, I've been sitting there in the corner getting set free. Let me tell you, uh, it's been a, a powerful series. If you guys haven't uh, heard any of those messages, again, I want to encourage you guys to listen to the podcast. It's so good. It's too, too good to be passed up, so definitely check that out. Um, but I started a series myself a couple of weeks ago on the book of Deuteronomy, and I'm going to continue that. And it's funny because I mentioned earlier that our God is a God who's ever revealing himself. Meaning we don't have the full revelation of who God is. To this day, we, he's continuing to show himself new, new things to his people. That's a pretty incredible thought to think, isn't it? That as much as we've been able to experience the goodness of God, we still haven't figured it all out yet. God is ever awesome. <laughs> I'm like, ever, what's a good word to follow that? He is incredible. He is awesome. And I was sharing uh, in my introduction to Deuteronomy, I preached on the first nine verses of the chapter, first eight verses of the chapter. And I talked about how, because God is a God who is revealing himself continuously, we can't afford to uh, purposely only look to a partial revelation of him. Meaning if we just look to New Testament and the books that we're familiar with to know who God is, we are doing ourselves a major disservice because majority of the Bible is the Old Testament, number one. And two, in the Old Testament itself is revelation after revelation after revelation of who God is. Not just back in the day, but who God is today. And so we can't afford to say, oh, Old Testament has too many names I can't pronounce. Too many genealogies that take up you know, too much space. Uh, too many things that I just don't get. Therefore, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stick to the New Testament because that's where we talk about Jesus anyway. We can't afford to have that mentality because God is revealed to us in the Old Testament and it is imperative that we know who He is, all of who He is, all that's been revealed so far. And I talked about how 
in the first eight verses of Deuteronomy chapter one, the Israelites were on the brink of entering in the promised land. This is after almost 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. What should have taken them an 11 day journey. It took them almost 40 years. Why? Because of disobedience and unbelief. And I mentioned a simple truth that disobedience leads to delay. Can you guys say that to your neighbor? Disobedience leads to delay. And I talked about in a time like this where time itself is money and every second counts for us to not understand that obedience to God is the most efficient way to lead our lives and delving into disobedience simply because we want to indulge ourselves in the flesh, how that's both costly and stupid. See, as God's people, we're called to obey. And not just to obey for obedience sake, but obey because our God is worthy of it. He's a good God whom we can trust fully. I talked about how in this particular passage, Moses began to share with them a word that was spoken where God said, you have been at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and advance. And I began to talk about how we need to learn how to not just stay at our mountaintop experiences, but to break out of our comfort zones, break out of tradition, and to move forward because it's not just about us, but it's about advancing the kingdom of God all throughout this nation. Not just this nation, but all over the world. See, we need to remember that it's God that's calling us to move to greater glories. And in order to move to the next glory, in order to move to the next revelation of who God is in your life, sometimes it requires for us to get a little bit uncomfortable, to pack up our tents, to pack up what we've settled in and to move forward, even if that means that we have to get out of what we're familiar with. And I preached the message talking about how it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth, to, it's worth it to go through the discomfort of packing up. Because that's what it takes to advance. And so I'm just going to continue Deuteronomy chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verses 9 to 18 today. And uh, we'll just read this passage together. So we're going to be reading verses 9 uh, to 18. Uh, I'll read one verse. And then you guys can join with me on reading the following verse and so forth. At that time, I said to you, I'm not able to bear you by myself. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and behold, you are today as numerous as the stars of heaven. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are, and bless you as he has promised you. The weight and the burden of you and your strife. Choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men, and I will appoint them as your heads. And you answered me, the thing that you have spoken is good for us to do. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and experienced men, and set them as heads over you, commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, commanders of fifties, commanders of tens, and officers throughout your tribes."
You shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone, for the judgment is God's. And the case that is too hard for you, you shall bring to me, and I will hear it. Amen. I want you guys to just bow your heads with me. And I want us to pray a quick prayer. Just all together, I want you guys to just begin to pray that God would begin to soften your heart before you hear this word. I want you guys to just pray right now. Father, we just thank you that you're opening up all hearts here today. And God, we thank you that you're so, so good. And we just pray, Lord, that you would just soften the hearts of every single person in this room and prepare us to just receive your word in its fullness of power and authority. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You know, when I was thinking about this portion of passage, um, portion of scripture here, I kind of wondered, because you guys got to understand that Deuteronomy is where all of um, God's people, they're about to hear the law of God all over again. See, it was a whole generation that kind of passed away because of their disobedience and a new generation that formed up here. And this new generation didn't really hear the speaking out of God's law. And so before they enter in the promised land, Moses knew that it was absolutely imperative that they hear this revelation of God's law in order for them to possess this promised land. And before he goes into the law, he kind of does this like recap, this history, this reminder of what their relationship was like with God. That he doesn't include everything, but he includes select passages, select memories. And you can find these stories that he mentions, you know, in other books of the Bible, like Numbers or Exodus or um, in Genesis. But here, here's this passage, and it's about Moses appointing leaders. And initially when I read this, I was like, uh, maybe I should skip over this particular pericope and kind of move on to the next. Because it doesn't seem that important. And I remember as I was about to do that, I kind of got really convicted because God began to speak to me like, I don't do fillers. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I was, uh, my bad, Lord, my bad. You don't do fillers. I get it. Which means that this passage here must be important. But for me, it took me a while because I just didn't get it. Okay, so Moses appointed leaders. Big deal. Why is this so important out of all the memories, out of all the things that the Israelites did and had gone through? This is the beginning portion of the recap of their relationship with God. Why? And so I kind of toiled with this initially, and all of a sudden I began to look at the first couple of passages. It said, at that time I said to you, I am not able to bear you by myself. This is Moses speaking. I'm not able to bear you by myself. The Lord has multiplied you and behold, you are today as numerous as the stars of heaven. And may the Lord, the God, your fathers make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as he promised you. But how, how can I bear by myself the weight and burden of you and your strife? And I paused there and I began to just think about that. What was Moses going through? What was he going through in that specific moment where he said those words? How am I supposed to bear you? This is too much for me. 
I think if I were to reword it in my version, not the ESV, but I guess the ELV, right? If, if I were to word it, it is, I'm completely overwhelmed. When was the last time you guys ever felt overwhelmed? And not, I'm not talking about just a simple, oh, whoa. Huh. I'm talking about, oh, like, boom, overwhelmed. You know, back in the day, I just, I don't, I'm not a swimmer. Um, my kind of swimming is going to a pool and laying on one of those floaty things. And that's what I constitute as swimming. Um, but I lived near a beach in Long Island in New York. And the reason why I hate beaches is because I have a lot of memories when I was little kind of swimming and having waves come and literally just crash down. You know, back in the day, like I had little boogie boards, like it wasn't, it's like fake surfing. It's like, you just lay your body down and you kind of float. And I have memories of literally, literally getting consumed by the water and pulled back. Like the current, the water was so strong. It just would pull me back. And I remember when I was, um, in middle school, okay. I was a little bit older, right? I was in middle school and one of my friends got stuck. Like she kept swimming towards the shore, but she wasn't moving. You know, when the current's kind of like going this way. And so she was trying her best and she like couldn't make it to shore. So me and all my little junior high friends, we made like a human chain and we held hands. I kid you not. We held hands from the shore and we kind of, you know, made it to her and we held her hand and we kind of like rotated. Where was the lifeguard? Now that I think about it, I have no idea where that lifeguard was, but we made it happen. We saved her life. Um, but the thing about ocean water is it can be quite overwhelming. Overwhelmed, by overwhelming, I've, I'm trying to explain or describe to you a feeling of having absolutely no control. When you get overwhelmed by a wave, a crashing wave, as much as you try to flap your arms, kick your legs, you have no control over your body and where you're moving. It's just... Phew. When was the last time you felt overwhelmed? Because I know that we hear this passage or we hear this line that Moses is saying, well, I'm not able to bear you by myself. And it sounds like, okay, it was a little heavy thing that Moses needs to hold up, but I'm talking about, he was overwhelmed. You know, the first couple of verses here, it's referring to either two passages in previous scripture, one of which Jethro, Moses's father-in-law comes and visits Moses. And this is in, um, I believe Exodus chapter 18. Is it? Exodus chapter 18, yeah, verses 13 to 27. In that passage, Moses' father-in-law comes to visit him, visit him, and they go off and they do, uh, you know, some sacrifices, worship the Lord. And the next day, Moses' father is kind of chilling, and he sees Moses, and all day Moses is surrounded by God's people, waiting on him so that they can judge all of their issues. And he goes to... Jethro goes to Moses afterwards and he's like, what are you doing? What do you do for your people all day? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? What do you do? And Moses begins to describe, I'm the only one here. I'm the only one here that they go to, that they're able to go to that can help them figure out all these issues, concerns, matters, crises that they're going through. And Jethro looks at him and said, that's foolish. You can't handle that kind of burden. It's too heavy for you. What you need to do is delegate. Listen, delegating is biblical. 
Some of you guys need to hear. That's not even my message, but I'm just going to throw it out for all you people who just put so much on yourself. And you tell yourself, I got to be the one to do it. Delegation is a biblical concept. Anyway, so here's Moses. He doesn't even know he's overwhelmed at this point. And Jethro has to point it out. Listen, you're overwhelmed. You have to change your strategies and your tactics. What you need to do is appoint a new set of leaders. Now, that's one passage that, you know, Deuteronomy is pointing to. But a second one is in Numbers. And I want you guys to all turn with me to Numbers chapter 11. We're going to look at Numbers chapter 11, verses 10 to 15. And uh, I'm just going to read that for you guys. You guys can follow along with me. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. And Moses said to the Lord, why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I'm not able to carry all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. If I find favor favor in your sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. So when we're talking about the beginning portion of Deuteronomy, it wasn't something small. Oh, woe is me. That's heavy. I'm talking about Moses was asking God to kill him. If this is how it's going to be, if you love me even a little bit, just kill me. Because I'd rather be dead than to deal with the burden that I'm feeling right now. Here's a whole generation of Israelites complaining nonstop. The God Almighty, who delivered them under bondage in Egypt, comes in, swoops them, opens up the Red Sea, gets them to safety, Provides for them supernaturally food to eat. And now they're complaining because they want some kogi. Where's the meat at? I'm sick of this manna. I'm sick of this. Where's the meat at? And all day they began to murmur to the point where they surrounded themselves around Moses' tent. Can you imagine going to sleep at night? And as you lay your head down on your pillow, you just hear your small group members complaining. Give me meat. Give me meat. Give me meat. Where's the meat? Where's the meat? Where's the meat? Or can you imagine a whole church gathering around your little home with torches, you know, Korean style with like the little <laughs> headband and, you know, with, you know, and just yelling at you to do something. This is what Moses was going through. When I say that he was overwhelmed, that was an understatement. He was overwhelmed with the responsibility that God was calling him to. I want to talk about how do you deal with being overwhelmed? I think God specifically led Moses to talk about this portion in Deuteronomy because he needed not only Moses, but all of God's people to remember that he's a God that you can lean on. How do you deal with being overwhelmed to the point of death? Just kill me. 
If I found even just a little bit of favor in your sight, just kill me. That's what Moses was going through. How do you deal with that? Well, number one, you can't let your revelation of God be moved. You can't let your revelation of God be moved. When you are overwhelmed, you will be tempted to think that God has abandoned you. God, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Where art thou? I don't know why I said it. Where are you? When you begin to swim with just feeling like your life is out of control. One of the things in our flesh that we go straight to is letting our circumstances dictate who God is. Meaning if you're having a tough time, then God's a tough God. If life is good, God's a good God. If you're having problems in your family, God's a God that abandons you. If you prayed on a certain topic and you haven't seen any answer yet, then God's a God that doesn't listen. When you begin to look to your own situation and draw from your situation the very revelation of who God is, you have got it twisted. It doesn't work like that. You see, even the Israelites allowed their circumstances to dictate the revelation of God. They kept complaining, God brought us out of Egypt to kill us here. Meaning, I'm hungry, which means God must be a bad God. And therefore, my understanding of who God is is completely negative. See, rather than letting the revelation of God dictate their circumstances, they let their circumstances dictate their revelation of God. Who God is should change your circumstances. Your circumstances should not change who you think God is. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That means everything that is revealed of him in scripture is who he is. So when scripture says he is Jehovah Rapha, that means he's the Lord that heals. That means irregardless of the disease that you've been contending for for years, it still isn't enough to change God's identity. That he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. That even if you've been struggling financially in this season, it does not change that his nature is he's the God who provides. But rather the revelation of who he is needs to change our circumstances. Meaning when it becomes an unmovable truth, your revelation of who God is based on scripture, based on even your personal history with the Lord, that you know that God is faithful, that God is good, that is what needs to dictate your perspective on how life is. See, the one thing the devil's going to try to get you to do is complain. And a very well-known speaker once says, complaining is to the devil what praise is to God. If what you worship is your God and you're complaining all day long, mm -hmm. you see here in Deuteronomy, God was trying to remind Moses that he's a faithful God. You know, what's interesting about Moses's complaint. He said, I'm not able to bear you by myself because what the Lord has multiplied you and behold, you are numerous as the stars of heaven. Meaning Moses is overwhelmed because God fulfilled his promises. 
It was God who said, I'm going to multiply you to Abraham in Genesis. I'm going to multiply you like the numbers of stars in the sky. And God fulfills his promises. And because his promise is now being fulfilled, Moses feels overwhelmed. Do you see what's going on here? Moses wants to die because God is faithful. (laughs) Moses is asking to be killed because God actually means what he says. You know, some of the things that you're complaining about or feeling overwhelmed about in your life is actually a result of God's blessing. The reason why you're in that position is because God has blessed you. I know this oh too well. If you ask me, when was the last time you felt overwhelmed? I can name a series of critical moments in my life and it always had to do with promotion and leadership. You see, I went from prayer team member under my husband to welcoming team leader. That's right. I used to be the one smiling and handing out the bulletins and shaking your hands. Shout out to Rona. And then I went from welcoming team leader, which I was having a nervous breakdown about because it was my first time leading anything in the church. Some of you guys were in that team. Forgive me. (laughs) Welcoming team leader to healing and deliverance director. Now that was a scary jump for me too. And I went from healing and deliverance director to college director here as Emmaus campus ministries director. That's my position even now, but even then I went from campus director to co-lead pastor. When was the last time I felt like I had no control and I was literally losing air and that I was going to die when I became Emmaus campus ministries director? Let me tell you something. Yeah. Everyone's all like, you know, (laughs) yeah, no, it wasn't like this for me back in the day. It was more like this back in the day. And the reason wasn't because it wasn't a blessing because it was, it was because I was so overwhelmed by my own insecurity. I was so overwhelmed with feelings of inadequacy. I was so overwhelmed with fear that I literally felt like I was losing control. I'll tell you how serious it was. I had a series of reoccurring dreams during that time. First two years of being an Emmaus director. It started off with a small group. It was me, Matt Walker, Pastor Marcus, and Pastor Brian. We were the four original staff when Emmaus got turned over. It sounds like a really elite team now. (laughs) But back then, let me tell you, we were a mess. It was like... The night before a large group service, we're like, who's going to speak? Who's going to speak? You, you should just call that. Did you, did you get a speaker? I'm like, no, I forgot to get a speaker. <laughs> what should I do, Matt? I mean, it was just chaos. And I was so stressed out. I was so overwhelmed. I had no idea what I was doing. I, ha- I was having a series of reoccurring dreams in those two years. And what it was, was I love babies. I love babies. I have a passion for babies. Passion. It's from the depths of my soul. And it's because babies contribute to society in many ways. My husband once made a joke that babies don't contribute to society. And I was like, what? Okay. Um, until they can wash their own dishes. Um, But you know, I love babies. So God, he's funny. He speaks to you the way that you need to be spoken to. So here I was having a reoccurring uh, dream. I had this dream about maybe five to six times. And in this dream, I see the cutest baby. And, you know, I just see this, you know, woman holding a baby or a man holding a baby. And I'm just like, oh, you 
are so cute. And I go and they turn and I open my arms to extend my arms to hold the baby. And they put the baby in my hands. The baby's all like, ah. And the baby comes into my arms. And the moment I hold the baby, it's like, boom. It's like the baby was filled with lead, like tons and tons of lead. It was the heaviest thing. And boom, I dropped the baby. That's my dream. <laughs> Continuous dreams of me dropping babies. And I remember the first thing I thought of when the baby would get dropped was, you got to understand, you got to protect the baby's head. Okay? Even now, baby Karis, our one baby here in the house, we can't hold her yet because baby Karis, she doesn't even know how to lift up her neck yet on her own. So it's a very important time for her to develop her neck muscles. But basically, if that is not taken care of properly, babies can die. And so here I am holding this precious baby and down to the ground and you just hear a snap. And the thing that's ringing in my mind is, I killed the baby! I killed the baby. And this is a dream I had over and over and over again. Can you imagine? I was so confused and I had thought that it meant something specific. You see, I said, you can't let your revelation of God be moved when you're overwhelmed, but you also can't let your revelation of you be moved when you're overwhelmed. Meaning because I was overwhelmed, I said, I must be insignificant because I was overwhelmed. I said, I must be inadequate because I'm overwhelmed right now. It must mean I'm not ready. I let my feelings of being overwhelmed dictate even my identity. Not what God was saying over me. Not what God was doing in my life. It was my circumstances. I gave it that much authority for me to have reoccurring dreams. Now, I used to think that this was a prophetic dream. Thank God for Pastor Benjamin. He's my spiritual mentor. Thank God for him because to this day, I would have thought it was a prophetic dream if he hadn't come in. But I thought it was a prophetic dream indicating that your arms are too weak, Aaron. This is a sign unto you that your arms are too weak and that spiritually you need to work out. You're too weak for this. And if you continue on like this, this ministry is going to fall to the ground. See, immediately when I thought, what does this dream mean? What does this dream mean? I immediately associated with Emmaus because it was a baby at the time. Even though it was under my husband's leadership, we were trying to transform this ministry into something new under the covering of the house. And so it was in baby form. And here I am, this baby is getting passed to me and I drop it. And I drop it because it's so heavy. And I'm looking at my arms thinking, I'm not made for this. So you can understand the torment that I've gone through. Torment of just straight up insecurity during those first two years. I thought to myself, This is truth. I'm not ready. And so for many times in those two years of those times of being completely overwhelmed, feeling like I don't know what to do, I never went to college ministry when I was in college. I directed college ministry. I never went to one. That doesn't make much sense, does it? In college, I was too busy, as my husband loves pointing out, smoking weed, (laughs) getting my butt arrested sophomore year of college, being in a terrible, abusive relationship, my college years is like what not to do. And here I am leading the college ministry. I had no idea what I was doing. I felt completely and utterly overwhelmed. And I forgot that the reason why I was director is because God blessed me. I forgot. I'm overwhelmed right now 
because God opened up this door for me. We get overwhelmed and you got to get used to it because you'll have moments of this. You will get overwhelmed, but it's only because God gives us God-sized dreams. If you feel underwhelmed in your life, you're probably not dreaming big enough. If you pursue God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and he begins to open up doors for you, trust me, he's going to get you to walk through a door where you feel completely not ready for. And you're just like, what am I doing here? And you'd rather go back to what you're familiar with, what you're comfortable in, what you think that you've become an expert in your life. But now all of a sudden you got to get promoted and do this new thing where you feel completely useless It's because God is all about engaging you in relationship with him. He wants you to know that, oh, bravo, you figured it out. You can't do this without me. (laughs) He's strategic like that. He's not interested in giving you assignments that you can accomplish on your own. He gives you only things that he knows you got to hold on to him for dear life. And say, God, if you're not with me, I have no idea what I'm going to do here. I need you. That's the kind of assignments that he gives us, but it's a blessing. See, when PB came into my life, he began to speak into that dream. And he said, you see, that dream isn't a prophetic dream. It's a soulless dream. It's a dream that's just highlighting what you believe to be true, but not what's truth. Meaning, I believe to be true that my arms were too weak, but he said that's not truth. Truth is you're more than a conqueror. And I just thought to myself, oh, man, two years. I thought the wrong thing. I remember one dream in particular. I was holding a baby yet again. And I was in the subway, and we were going to Shinchon Station. That's where Yonsei University is. That's where our main campus ministry is. And I'm here with a couple of ministers, a couple of the staff, and I'm in the subway holding the baby. And we arrive at Shinchon. It goes, you know, the doors open, and everyone walks out. I'm the last one to get out of the subway. And as I, as I walk out, I realize that the door is about to close on me, and that the gap between the subway and the platform just widened dramatically. Right? It's like every, for everyone else, it was perfectly fine. Everybody else. And then it gets to me and it's like, whoop. And I'm just like, oh. And I look up and I'm like, man, I got to get out of this subway because it's about to shut and go. And I'm holding this baby and I go forward and I fall. And I catch the ledge just with one hand and then baby in the other. And I'm holding on for dear life. And in my dream, help, help. And there's all these people walking past back and forth. Nobody's paying attention to me. And then finally, someone comes up to me, and it's a male. And this male goes, you know, like this, and I, like, chuck the baby, you know? Like, I throw the baby, and he catches it, and then I pull myself up, and I thought, okay, this is it. It means I'm done with Emmaus. (laughs) Woo! Thank you, Jesus. I'm done with this ministry. It's time to move forward. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. I can pass this ministry on because I was... To that point, I was still feeling inadequate. And I was like, now I just got to look for the brother who that man represents in my dream. So everybody that came along, I'm like, you like maze? You want to do maze? You want to do college ministry? You like college ministry? And I was so ready to pass it on. And I thought, man, this is it. And I had people even speak to it. You know, I feel like your time in maze is coming to an end. Yada, yada, yada. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Be careful with prophetic words you receive, especially when it's stuff you want to hear. You know what I'm saying? You better, you better submit that to your leaders first. I mean, I begged my husband so many times, can we get someone else to do this? I just feel like it's not a good fit for me. Ironically, after PB came into my life and I started doing Emmaus, you can imagine that my experience with the ministry was completely different. That dream was right before the new semester was going to begin. And I literally was ready to walk away from God's blessing, forfeit his blessing because I was feeling overwhelmed. And eventually what ended up happening was that this ministry is something I don't want to let go anymore. Until God pries it out of my fingers, I will be an Emmaus director. And if he does, I will happily be willing to give that up. But I feel like that's the way we should possess each arena of our lives. Rather than, can't, I can't wait till I'm done with this. Boom, let me give you this baby. It should be the, to the point where we possessed our inheritance and that situation in our lives so much that we can't be willing to let it go. That it's a fight to let it go. It'll be a fight to move on because we possessed it so much. You guys hear what I'm saying? You can't let your revelation of God be moved when you're overwhelmed. God's unchanging. He's still faithful. He's so faithful that the reason why you feel overwhelmed is because he's fulfilling the promises that he gave to you in the first place. Second thing is you can't let the overwhelming experience dictate the revelation of who you are, not just God, but who you are. Meaning you got to, you got to combat every lie, every deception of inadequacy. Even if it's a family issue, even if it's something that you've been facing, God is with you. It's funny how Moses speaks in Deuteronomy. He says, I'm not able to bear you by myself. How can I bear by myself? It's true. What he says is true. He couldn't do it by himself. It's true. If you feel overwhelmed, you can't do it by yourself. But being overwhelmed is not a path to destruction. Being overwhelmed is, inv is an invitation. It's an invitation to draw closer to the Lord. It says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Meaning if you're overwhelmed today, it's an invitation from the Lord to come to him. He's not pushing you away. He hasn't forgotten about you. He's not ignoring your prayers. He's not trying to torture you. He's not trying to torment you. He's not trying to ruin you. He's trying to say, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. See, God is faithful. And I feel like Moses needed a reminder of that. I feel like he, even though he's the one narrating this portion, he needed a reminder that God is faithful to the very end. For him to say this is heavy because he remembered and he knew what it was like to want to die. To get to the point where he was so overwhelmed, he'd rather lay, just get, get God to kill him. But to this day, look what he says in verse 11. May the Lord... The God of your fathers make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you. At this point, he figured out the key. In numbers, he was struggling. But by the time we get to Deuteronomy, Moses understood. 
I was overwhelmed because we were blessed. And may God bless us even more. I want you guys to just turn, close your eyes. And I believe that what God is going to do and wants to do in your life is to teach you from turning your complaints to praise and your praise to prophecy. See, Moses went from complaining about being overwhelmed, complaining unto the point of death, to praising what God has done, but he didn't stop there. He was so in tune with the revelation of who God was and who he was in God that he was then able to prophesy, may you be even more blessed than this. And so I want to empower some of you guys who are really feeling this wave of being overwhelmed. Maybe it's a new promotion. Maybe you're a new recruit and you're like, what in the heck did I just sign up for? Maybe you just got promoted in ministry in a different way. Maybe you're about to lead your first familia ever. Maybe God is calling you into a new season and you know that you know that it's his blessing that has brought you there but you're overwhelmed I believe that God is giving you the ability right now to just turn all your complaints turn away repent and turn away from all of your complaining and to begin to praise him and to begin to prophesy over this new season of your life See, I once thought that Emmaus was too heavy for me to hold. Now I can prophesy that this semester is going to be the most powerful semester that we've ever seen so far. I can acknowledge and praise God that he's the one that made me director, even though I had no idea what I was doing, because he knew. That he allowed me to feel overwhelmed because he was trying to draw me closer to him. I believe you have an opportunity, the same opportunity right now, to begin to shift so let's just begin to pray I want you to begin to pray into your situation and the first thing I want you to do is repent if you've been complaining you're in the wrong heart it's the wrong spirit it's blinding you from seeing what God is doing so let's just turn from our complaining even right now let's just begin to pray Yeah, Lord, I just pray for every single person in this room. And I just thank you that you're breaking away the spirit of complaining that's blinding your sons and daughters from knowing that they're actually walking in tune with your spirit, Lord. God, I thank you that you're turning us away. Jesus, and that you're turning us to God. Praise. If you've been overwhelmed, just stand to your feet. We just want to pray for you. If you've been overwhelmed, if you know that you've been overwhelmed, just stand to your feet. And if you're around someone that's standing, I want you to just lay your hands on their arm, on their shoulder. And I want you to begin to pray for them. Come on, let's just gather around them, you guys. Even the word of God says that we're called to bear one another's burdens. That's how the family of God works. That phrase, 
I can't bear it by myself. It's true. You can't. And so let's just begin to surround our brothers and sisters. Let's make sure everybody is accounted for.